This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode today, we are talking with Kelsey Hammonds. She is a licensed clinical social worker and certified perinatal mental health therapist in Arkansas. I'm really grateful that Kelsey is coming on to share her experience because she had been previously trained in perinatal mental health prior to having her child. And I think it's a really important perspective for us to all be hearing is that somebody who has been trained in perinatal mental health can still deal with perinatal mental health conditions. It's totally possible. It happens to uh, many people. But there's an idea that we still carry as therapists that because we are trained in things that we shouldn't be experiencing them. And that just simply isn't true. We're still human we still go through things and it can be hard to manage even with training because it is very different when you're going through something. And Kelsey shares her experience with us today and helps to highlight what that can feel like and be like. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of therapists in particular who listen to this podcast can identify with this. It's also true that a lot of People in helping professions in particular have a harder time sort of being okay, quote unquote, that they are dealing with something and getting help for it because we are trained to be taking care of other people. But I believe that Kelsey brings a real human and empathetic and relatable side to this experience. Kelsey became a mother in early 2020 and her entire postpartum experience was during the height of COVID. Although she was trained in what to look for and supportive tools to mitigate postpartum stressors, she struggled with the additional unpredictable layers of stress that came up as she went through her healing process from her traumatic birth experience, all while navigating the collective pandemic trauma that was being experienced by so many of us. 
She attempted to find her own rhythm and regulation during this isolation. She felt as if she was mothering against the current. Kelsey's own experience lit a fire in her, in her own work, to listen and support more women during these transitions, as well as help them feel more connected and regulated. Kelsey is sharing with us today what her journey was like and some things that she learned along the way, and as well as how she's now integrating that into helping others. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kelsey, and I hope you do too. Let's meet her. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Dr. Kat. I listen to your podcast all the time, and I just want to say that your stories that you share are so empowering, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to be able to share mine. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I know for some people there might be, except for maybe therapists, but there there can be some hesitation to listening to people's stories because mm-hmm. especially if you yourself aren't quite out of it yet, but sometimes hearing the stories is what can help you get out of it a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you wanting to come on and share, especially because you're a therapist in this field and it can be hard just as a therapist in general to go through this, but I, I'm interested to hear your journey through this as a specialist. So yeah. yeah, please start wherever you'd like. Yeah. So I completed my certification for being a perinatal mental health therapist when I was pregnant. And this was in 2019 before we ever knew anything about an unprecedented pandemic. And <laughs> I had my baby in February, 2020, and then took, I was going to take some time off and get back into maternal mental health. And I I call this my immersive internship because I felt like I knew all the things or I was learning all the things I knew what to look for. And postpartum for me really was kind of a big slap in the face. I was prepared. I felt like on one hand, and then I was very not so prepared with probably mostly because of the pandemic. So I had planned for a natural birth process, meaning for me, it was, I didn't really want a lot of medication or just kind of low intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is not the way things ended up for me. Mm -hmm. I had a few interventions and I ended up having a cesarean. And of course my brain's kind of going back and forth, but afterwards, you're like, Oh, I could have done this. I should have done this. I could have done more of that. And now it's in a more healthier space where I'm like, okay, if I have another baby, maybe I'll do some things a little differently. But for me, postpartum, I couldn't get over the I should have, I could have, I wish I would have. And having a implant cesarean really shocked my nervous system for lots of different reasons, having a major abdominal surgery and not planning for it and being a new mom about a month into being postpartum where I was starting to feel like I was getting my groove, but I also started to notice some anxiety creeping in Mm. uh, is when we got the news that everything was shutting down and there was the pandemic Mm -hmm. and nothing was known about the pandemic at that point whatsoever. So of course we didn't have people or guests in our home with the new baby. Our village was already so small anyway, Mm. and people wanted to help at first, but everybody was sort of dealing with their own stuff. And so for me as a therapist, I knew what to look for. And I was in the midst of this. I felt like now I can look back 
and say like, okay, it was a little bit of a crisis, mm-hmm. new, new mom learning everything, mm-hmm. navigating in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But in the middle of it, I I've had anxiety before I've struggled with anxiety before I've had depression before. And this, the feelings that I had postpartum were not anything that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And I had heard people say that, but I actually got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't right. until a few months after when I wasn't in the peak of the heightened state that I was able to kind of look back and be like, oh, I was not myself. And mm-hmm. I think it's still, it's still taken me a lot of time to become like, who am I as a mom? Who am I? And what is my identity in that normal realm of shifting into motherhood identity? And that itself can be a shock. But I mm-hmm. think in the middle of a pandemic, when you don't really have that support and you right. just had a birth trauma and you're recovering physically and emotionally, I didn't really know where to start. And so for me, I kind of took a break and was taking some therapy. I was doing some therapy and doing cognitive based things and realized that was just not what was helpful for me. I realized I had a whole body experience (laughs) and that was really what I needed to focus on. And so my experience itself has trans transformed and revolutionized my entire therapy that I do with my clients Mm -hmm. because of that more mind body focused and things like that. Right. All of you went through this for sure. Yeah. Yes. So there are like layers to to this for you, for sure. So Um, many layers. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food. Like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it. And their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin has several other high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable, and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mom and mind for 25% off. Yeah. 
So starting with that unplanned C-section mm-hmm. and all the way through pandemic and mm-hmm. having to look back. So with your training, you said you knew what to look for. I'm curious, what happened for you like a- after the birth? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of resources or things did you have available to you or in place that that would have it, like prior to having birth um, and being in the postpartum that you would have thought okay this will be helpful for me mm-hmm. but then while you're in it it was hard to like either remember or mm. access do you know what i'm asking mm-hmm. like yeah the the planning beforehand is one thing and then when you're in it is another right. thing so like what was hard at that point for you to even realize you had or could do while you were in it? Yeah. So I had a doula and I had that support postpartum, which was helpful for navigating things like breastfeeding. And of course that was all within the first couple of weeks when I was very tearful, but it was still in the realm of baby blues free. I was, I felt like this is very hormonal shift happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I also had the name and number of a therapist that I knew that was specialized in perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think when the pandemic happened and started and I was feeling the way I was as a therapist, I felt like I didn't deserve help. And I don't even Mm. think I really knew that I needed it in the peak of it, if that makes Uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I relied on my my partner for everything. He was wonderful, which was not, looking back, I wish I would have had more support for him. Mm. (laughs) But for physical recovery and mental recovery, he was pretty much the only person that was in our circle. Mm -hmm. It took me a while even to reach out to that perinatal therapist. I did eventually, but even just the thought of any needing medication or needing to talk to someone was really hard because I think during the pandemic, especially I was there, everybody's struggling, everybody's Mm -hmm. struggling here or I would. Right, right, right the clients that I would work with, I worked in an agency setting that was nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So the women we worked with were low income, low house on the bridge of losing their house Mm -hmm. and their struggles were different than the struggles that I felt. So I, I was kind of comparing my own pain and struggle to what was like the, what I felt like was the time to reach out. Yeah. Not realizing that it wasn't normal to not want to even get in the car and drive because Mm. the thoughts that I was having was we would get in a car accident or Mm. not wanting my partner to leave the house to go to work because I was scared he was going to get in a car accident or not even wanting to walk, getting out and walking by herself because I was like, what if something happens and the stroller Mm. skips and I drop the baby? I Mm -hmm. mean, there were so many scary thoughts that I knew Karen Kleiman that reading all the books, scary thoughts are happen. But mm-hmm. when you're going through that, when you're having these scary thoughts, you can't just tell yourself, don't think them or that they're normal or that they happen. You feel right. that they're real. You feel right. that yep. Yep. it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you kind of giving that, that, that part of you that you would you would hope and feel and think would be sort of on board that the ability to like think logically and use your mm-hmm. skills and all of this stuff is really hard to access when mm-hmm. you're like, it's almost like you're in a tornado or a storm and you can't quite remember mm-hmm. that somewhere else there's not a storm. 
Right. Um, it, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. really, really hard to even recognize. And I think it's especially hard for a therapist doing what you're doing, like the comparison, mm -hmm. like not everybody hears the stories that, that we hear mm -hmm. uh, all the time. So you have this point of reference that something could be worse mm -hmm. than what you're dealing with. And your brain, although it felt distorted of like the fearful, scary thoughts, there was also this like irrationally rational part that mm -hmm. was saying, it's not that bad, you know, mm -hmm. kind of gaslighting yourself that where you I went back and forth between wanting to reach out to this therapist. I kind of for months and eventually did, especially before I went back to work. And I felt like that was helpful, a helpful start to things. Mm -hmm. Right. So at what point, I guess, going back to what you were saying that it's not that bad, kind of mm -hmm. a, a feeling. I, I like how you said that gaslighting yourself. It is it is like that. Mm -hmm. Like something does not feel right mm -hmm. and does not feel okay, but talk yourself out of it. What finally helped you or prompted you to get help? I don't know. I feel like once I started to be able to kind of, we started going on weekly walks, my partner and I with our baby. And I started to realize that that was helping me just getting mm -hmm. out physically moving and then being feeling safe enough to do that. Yeah. And we would go to parks. And of course, this was like at the very beginning of the pandemic. So we were like, should we wear masks on the park trail, which added heightened anxiety for things for sure. I think once we started to do that and it had been about six months and I was still pretty fearful. And I was like, okay, I can't tell if this is postpartum anxiety, pandemic anxiety, generalized anxiety, maybe all of the above, mm -hmm. but I need to probably talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had struggled with hormone issues in the past, autoimmune thyroid issues. So for mm -hmm. me, I was really passionate about making sure people got their levels checked. And so I get on these health kicks every now and then where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all the things. And that was about the time, I think it was in the summer. And I was saying, I want to make sure that I have the levels checked. I want to make sure going into the fall that things are okay. Before I go back to work, I want to have plans oh, in yeah. place. So that about six month mark was when, and I was working, I should say I was working, but I was working from home with my daughter. I didn't mm -hmm. have to go in person back to work until eight months. So that was great to be home with her, but had its own struggles too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then returning to work. I mean, you, eight months later, we're, we're still in it. We're yeah. Still, like very much in the, in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. So you had mentioned a couple of times, the hypervigilance, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of co constant worry. And I guess because as a therapist, you're a little bit more able to try and categorize stuff like yeah. you know, generalized anxiety postpartum versus pandemic now, but in the moment, mm -hmm. it just was happening and you were, mm -hmm. or earlier on, it sounds like at the six month mark, you started to kind of get better uh, or mm -hmm. sorry, rather reach out for reach out. help. You mentioned a couple of different types of like intrusive thoughts that you were mm -hmm. having. And I think also alluded to that feeling like a very real fear. Mm -hmm. It didn't register as like, oh, well, that's an intrusive thought mm -hmm. at the time. How did you cope with that? So eventually the heightened 
anxiety did go away. I don't want to say it went away on its own, but it, it seems like the more rational side of my brain actually did have a chance to turn on. So eventually I did have the part of my brain that said, okay, those are just thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. Like I was able to actually do that. But what I learned, and this didn't come out until later, was I started to kind of learn more about the nervous system and learn that I was in a very fearful state. I was in fight or flight, mostly frozen, really. If I, Mm -hmm. so I was, I could feel very activated, but I didn't feel like I could move or do anything about it. And this is a trauma response. And so looking back over my own course of my life and then knowing that I just had this baby in a traumatic way for me, it was a lot of things started to kind of come out as I was processing that I didn't really ever think I would need to process, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure you hear this a lot, a lot, but as a mom, when you start to become one, you just things that you were exposed to or values that maybe your parents had, there are different things that come out that maybe even become triggers to you as you are raising your own children and just different things throughout my life. I felt like started to kind of come out and process in these ways. And so I knew my body was ready to process these things. And I say my body, because it wasn't just in my brain. It was this physiological experience of pregnancy, birth, and now healing as a mom was, I could tell it was, I needed something different, more Mm -hmm. physiological. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I actually ended up getting a therapist that was trained in somatic experiencing. Mm -hmm. And this didn't happen for a while, but I finally got in with her. I was on a wait list for a very long time. And it wasn't just do you feel anxious? Like, where do you, do you have this anxious thought? It was, how does that make you feel in your body? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think you're anxious? Okay. Where do you think that you're anxious in your body? So she would drop me back in every time I would say Mm -hmm. like, I think I feel it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. where do you feel? Mm -hmm. And that really started to help because I could really start to process one where these thoughts and fears may have came from, but more Mm -hmm. importantly, how to process that out through my body, which is where the fear was held. If that's making sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, uh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it back to the, the body, some experiences that you were having, realizing that it's not just a, it's so hard. I mean, even the language that we have for what we experience is so Mm -hmm. separated in some ways. So the therapy that you're describing really is separated, meaning mind and as if mind Mm -hmm. and body are separate. Right. But that idea of like kind of dropping back into your body, I'm wondering like for people, sometimes for people who've had a traumatic uh, experience physically as well as emotionally, it can be a little hard to to go connect with body yes. stuff, especially if it's connected to other stuff like from yes. previously in your past. But it sounds like you got a lot of healing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, and that's kind of the, premise is to not go too much too fast too mm-hmm. soon you know mm-hmm. something that's why I think this work is really to doing doing it with somebody who's trained is is really great because I was able to really feel safe enough and feel like my body was being heard like even if I was saying yeah we can keep going right, right. let's pause for today like having somebody be able to take my body safety into consideration because it is it's a very powerful therapy and I love it. And at the same time, I think that there is a lot of mind preparation that 
goes into it. But what I've learned is that your body's already had has experienced the worst or is currently if you're in that trauma state. Mm -hmm. And so addressing it in that way, the bottom up, you know, Mm -hmm. your brain is up here telling you all of these Mm -hmm. things. And if you can drop in, it can really help those thoughts sort of I don't know if water down is the right mm-hmm. word, but sort of flush it out a little bit, allow mm-hmm. you to really see, okay, this is where I'm feeling anxiety in my chest. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I open my chest up a little bit, or maybe if I spread out a little bit and tend to that feeling and sensation, I can shift. And if I notice mm-hmm. that tiny little shift, noticing the tiny shifts is really what helped me. So mm-hmm. if I was feeling at a 10 mm-hmm. and I was like, my intrusive thoughts are here, and I still, we're human. Sometimes I do feel like at a 10, I can say I'm feeling really dysregulated and I have tools now that I've practiced well enough that I can just go outside and make a little shift, take a breath of fresh air outside. Mm-hmm. Now, what can I do now that I've mm-hmm. come back down into my <laughs> brain a little bit now that I, what's something else I can do to feel a little bit more of a shift. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, especially with what you're describing that like freeze phrase response it can it can feel really difficult to be unstuck from that um drawing <laughs> yeah absolutely so i mean you've learned quite a bit of for yourself in your own healing journey you've learned tools and you said that has also what kinds of other experiences did you have kind of learning how to like you said un unfreeze or, or thaw mm-hmm. in your experience like of the of the physical stuff yeah, so the, the cesarean itself being on an operating table, especially if you're awake, it's, it's mm-hmm. a very bizarre experience having a cesarean for those of us who've had them. You're awake, you're about to have a baby, you're getting cut open, <laughs> and you're, you can't move. You can't move the rest of your body. You're frozen. And I didn't realize until later, way later, that that frozen physiological state had an impact on my nervous system, Mm. being able to name it and then kind of going back and process some of that was really monumental for me. Mm. And when I was ready to finally process some of that birth experience, I would have this physiological pain. I would have the physical pain when I was postpartum because I had just had surgery. And anytime I would feel the pain, I would have an emotional release. I would cry. Mm. And this was also maybe some baby bluesy hormone Mm -hmm. stuff, but I was already starting to feel that physical release. So that sort of led me into, okay, there's something deeper going on here in my cells and in my my body that wasn't just here. Mm -hmm. So as you, you're, you're talking about your experience, obviously we're getting just kind of parts of it here, but having training in this specialty specifically Mm -hmm. and then going through this while you have some knowledge of what you're going through like after you started to understand what was going on what was Mm -hmm. it like for you to kind of be be putting all of this together as someone who has the training and has is going through it i think in part it was empowering although i don't feel like that was the first emotion that i Mm -hmm. felt um more on that side of things now. But it was also, like we mentioned, I felt like I was gaslighting myself a lot lot, uh, and wondering, like, am I just making things up? Is it really Mm -hmm. that bad? Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't need this type of support. Maybe I can handle it on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I would also have the the things that we tell our clients, you are good enough. You Mm -hmm. are 
just you doing what you're doing with your baby. You are good enough. You already are. And I could say that I was literally having conversations with other women while I was in the Mm. midst of it and Mm. knowing very well that I did not feel that way about myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of also another pivotal point where I was like, I don't feel like I'm in a space where I'm actually able to practice what I preach. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, I don't know if even what I'm doing with my clients is good enough because I don't Mm -hmm. feel good enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a really hard time to navigate that as a therapist. And then of course, therapist being therapist in the pandemic. Right. I was hearing all sorts of things, which was so overwhelming on my nervous system. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely took a little bit of a break from that. It, things naturally slowed down in the agency I was in anyway. So it kind of helped me to focus on other projects Mm -hmm. while I was working on kind of my own plan for myself, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I would have been able to go full on full practice and be where I'm at now if I wasn't able to have that. Right. So looking back on it now, do you, do you feel more like you can practice what you preach sort of a thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the easy, so learning nervous system, like I call it nervous system literacy, but just becoming more literate in the nervous system, Mm -hmm. being able to help myself name where I'm at in my state and then naming something that can help me regulate Mm -hmm. has been really the, if you ask any of my clients, what we work on, like that's kind of the foundation there. So Mm -hmm. I would, I tell my clients, I would never show you anything that you can't do without a baby on your hip or a child present, because I know as moms, we don't always get that break. Whereas before I might have suggested things that were probably pretty impractical because I Mm -hmm. wasn't a mom myself and I wasn't going through it myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you have to actually go through some things by yourself to know how to do this work. Right. But for me, I felt like I am being so genuine because I can say I've, I have gone through it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and these skills, I've seen other women be able to use these regulation tools that I might offer, for example, Mm -hmm. to support themselves. Yeah. Great. So I started to work more with my body and pay attention and work. Walking was a really great tool for me. So taking those afternoon walks, like I said, I would look forward to that at the end of the week. I started to take more of those on my own with my baby and realized later, learned later that bilateral stimulation, the right left movement that walking naturally gives you is actually a really awesome tool for trauma. Trauma focused work or processing trauma. And for me, finding a healthcare provider who actually listened to me was was really hard. (laughs) But that are you talking about just like a general, like a a physician or any? Yes. Uh Um, Without someone, I wanted to get my hormones tested. I Mm -hmm. wanted to get my thyroid levels, like the full panel. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's it's always been kind of hard to advocate for what I felt like I needed without a doctor or healthcare provider treating me like I just read something on the internet and Mm -hmm. didn't know what I was talking about. However, just having healthcare providers that I finally have found and I've accumulated over three years. This has taken me three years to find a team. I actually feel like I'm on the pathway. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm actually being listened to. My whole That's body nice. is being listened to, which I've I've listened to your your podcast where you had you talked about unwell 
women, mm-hmm. I, or I think that's what the book is. And yep. that really resonated with me because I felt like I've had mystery symptoms and people were like, you're fine. I was having autoimmune issues. And so getting my thyroid checked, getting my hormones checked, realizing, okay, there are things here that are out of place, but that was empowering because I had now things that I could see on paper and have from that functional lens, be able to kind of say, okay, optimally, my body isn't in the right place, which makes sense why my mind doesn't feel in the right place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Yes, working out, but really working out from like, what does my body need today? It could be I can roll around on the floor or I might need to lift some weights Mm -hmm. or really focusing on what my nervous system needs Mm -hmm. has been just listening to that and giving that credit has been really pivotal for my entire mental health. That's fantastic. And with with all of the skills you learned and are are learning. I mean, not to say that, like, (laughs) we all are all still learning. Mm -hmm. Um, What have you seen? Like, if you were to tell, like, you while you were going through it, Mm -hmm. what you know now, or like, what would you give to yourself now, if you if you could go back? Yeah. Oh, so in in meditation work and visualization, I do sometimes do this kind of go back to that self and sort of just, I envision myself being nurtured with, with the village that I felt like I needed that I didn't get. So that alone, if I would have had that skill or even been able to imagine that maybe that would have helped, but noticing those shifts, like I talked about, like having the knowledge that I can notice a tiny shift. And once I notice that shift, I might be able to shift a little more the things that I was already doing really were good enough. Like I was noticing those micro moments or those micro doses Mm -hmm. of safety that I Mm -hmm. like to call them with my baby smiling and laughing and getting to spend those eight months with her, even though I was in fear, (laughs) but knowing and going back and looking back now and being able to say, okay, but there were those beautiful moments. And I do believe that I may not have been fully present for, but I have pictures and videos. And I'm so thankful that I took those because I can go back and I can see that it wasn't all bad. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready to eat Factor meals. And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high-protein and calorie-smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic-roasted green beans. This is restaurant-quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order, as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using one skin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. 
But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells. And the one skin scientist found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. Even if in the moment I felt like things are really scary, but just telling myself, notice those moments. And then also that it's okay that Mm -hmm. things will get better. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm thinking of just telling myself if I had a future self coming in at that time. But if someone is listening is kind of going through that or having these scary thoughts, dropping into your body and really focusing on where in your body sensations are and starting there can be really supportive. Even if it's like, I'm feeling this anxiety in my chest, maybe even putting a gentle pressure on your chest or having your baby and holding your baby and rocking them slowly Mm -hmm. while you breathe, co-regulation and connecting to yourself. These are all things that I do now with my toddler and they work and I've Mm -hmm. been able to show new moms these things, but they're also skills that I've learned along the way that I felt like would have been really nice if I would have had with my first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I find that that is that what you're talking about, like the the stuff you would have liked to been able to give yourself at the time is one of the harder parts of working with moms, new moms, to try and almost like help them learn that they're not bad or they're not failing or that their anxiety is just a a function of what they're going through and that their depression Mm -hmm. isn't who they are. It's it it has such a grip. And you know this from going through it. I know it from going through it. It takes time. It mm-hmm. it takes time. Like we can, you know, sit with, with them, with our clients and, and help them understand this over time. But it, initially it just is the feelings are so big and so mm-hmm. overwhelming that it can be hard to believe that mm-hmm. you're not all these things that your thoughts are telling you that you are. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time. I think understanding things at the hormonal level too, because I mean, maternal mental health isn't all hormones, but there is a, sometimes it is a big piece. And so for something that I read that I feel like has been helpful for some of my clients that I wish I would have known then, because I felt like I was in an oxytocin bubble sometimes. Like I loved (laughs) my child so much. I wanted to just hold her and have her here. And then of course the pandemic kind of ramps things up. But a yeah. study I read and the, the reviews are mixed, but there was one study that I kind of say to my clients, take it or leave it. If this is helpful for you, that said higher levels of oxytocin in moms was shown in moms who also had like really scary thoughts. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so interesting and being able to have, okay, well, that makes sense why I wanted it. My, the one thing that I have worked so hard to have in front of me and we just went through this big birth experience together. I love her so much. She's, I want to hold her all the time. Mm. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. That was all reflections of my values, the value of health and safety for my baby. Mm -hmm. A pandemic was interrupting that value. Yeah. Big time. 
<laughs> so there were lots of reasons now that I could go back and 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 say that's why. Like there was, if there was a high amount of oxytocin, whatever. But the the ultimate line was I cared about my baby so much that there was a lot of fear from external fear that was interrupting that. Mm -hmm. And so that sometimes I tell my clients, there's nothing wrong with you. It's mm -hmm. to me, your stressors, what you're, what you're stressed about. If we uncover that, we can really try to figure out what those, those values are. We can mm -hmm. identify them. Mm -hmm. If you're stressed about something harm coming to your baby, well, a value must be that you want to keep your baby safe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we start there. What is one thing? What is one little thing you could do right now in this moment that brings safety to you and your baby? Mm -hmm. And if I would have had somebody to be able to say that and help me name, well, my baby smile or look how mm -hmm. cute her little toes are mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. be able to say you were up with her at 3 a.m. And now you're up with her again, breastfeeding, like go you. And just <laughs> to be able to show me those micro moments that I was doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Right. It that's hard to see. It's like your your actions from the outside people might be able to see mm -hmm. you're yep, you're doing all the things. Yeah. And you're you're present and you're taking care of your child. But if the it, your internal process is often doesn't match that. Yeah. And if you don't and feel you it. believe in mm -hmm, right. That's that is true. You it's really hard to feel. So you mentioned a little earlier on that you kind of shifted out of agency work mm -hmm. and in part because of what you've gone through and maybe what you wanted to do all along, you've kind of started your own, your own thing. Mm -hmm. Can you say more yeah. about that? Yeah. So right now I'm in a group practice and we all are kind of contract workers, but my, um, the name of my private practice and my business is heart led mental health. And for me, I really, the name itself means I'm leading from my heart. I'm listening to the whole person with my heart and not just my brain. And I'm not just listening to what they say and writing it all down. Like I really try to absorb what someone who's coming in front of me is saying and what, not just what they're saying again, because remember I would say, yeah, that's, that's fine. But really listening mm -hmm. to their whole body. Mm -hmm. So leading with the heart and heart led mental health, that's what that really means to me. And yeah, my practice now I have almost a full practice and it's all perinatal. And I really do feel like I'm in that place where I can actually do this work because, and I still go see my therapist. Mm -hmm. I still am processing, but I feel like I'm in a space now where I can say that I'm on like this other side of things. Right. Good thing. Cause it's been three years, but it did <laughs> yeah. take me a long time to get there. And it was definitely mm -hmm. well over the first year, like mm -hmm. postpartum for me didn't last just six weeks and we're done. <laughs> no. So nope. yeah, it, it changes you having a child and there's, I mean, there, there are still things that come up for me and I'm 12 years out where I'm like, Oh, that, that might be related. It's, it's, it's just part of being human on a healing journey. It, yeah, that's just stuff comes up. So what I do find really amazing about the helping profession and people who are doing work like therapists and nurses and, and other folks who are, are really having a lot of time with clients or patients. They do this amazing thing where 
You can almost like set your stuff aside for a moment, mm-hmm. be present, do the thing mm-hmm. that you do. And then when, when that time is over with the client, kind of come back in to, mm-hmm. to your own stuff or whatever. Everybody has their own process around all of this. But yeah. so so I'm sort of saying this for clients who are listening, who are seeing therapists, who are perinatal therapists and yeah. us perinatal therapists who maybe are if somebody's still going through it, obviously like listen to your needs. And if, if it's that like as a therapist, you kind of like need to take a step back, like mm-hmm. it sounds like you did. But for clients, like we as therapists have our own therapists or ideally, mm-hmm. or like we can sit with you in what you're dealing with and still be there. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I mean, it can, I, I think in this particular profession because like us as as in the specialty as therapists we sometimes tend to to identify a lot with what people are going through mm-hmm. but if you're if you've had enough training and you've been in the field for long enough you know how to like recognize what's yours and what's not mm-hmm. and what's the the clients mm-hmm. so i i i just yeah. i hear that that's what you were able to do in your journey yeah and i think that for me when i did take a step back. And when I did recognize, I mean, I was recognizing that I was not in the place that I needed to be to be Mm -hmm. able to hold that space for clients. Uh, It was too much. And yes, I think that's a really good point because we do, we have this magical power sometimes where we're able Mm -hmm. to just put it all aside and Mm -hmm. do our own regulation, what we need to get our 15 minute break in between sessions and go in. It's a mindset and Mm -hmm. But I do think that the work that I've been doing with my own therapist, even the somatic work has been really helpful because I can say, okay, I know what I need to do, but what Mm -hmm. do I feel Mm -hmm. and really help myself. And if I need to identify that in session and say, hey, just so you know, my three-year-old was up at 3 a.m. So if I seem (laughs) a little spacey today, that's why. And it makes me more real real and relatable. And my clients aren't taking that personal. I'm saying here I am. And that's kind of part of this work too that I've integrated is Mm -hmm. let's call out what we're feeling and our state. Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell you details of my life, but I can at least tell you what nervous system state I'm in so that we can start to have that nervous system literacy and that conversation and they can start to identify it for themselves eventually too. And so that's where we are. Yeah. Well, I I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and thank giving us some insight into what it's like there there are more and more therapists who are becoming specialized in this field and i think it's really really important for us as therapists to be able to say to have a space to know that others of us have been through this and over time it deepens your work definitely but while you're going through it it can feel a little a little rough <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> Yeah. Like a roller coaster ride that you didn't really buy the ticket for and can't <laughs> right. really get off of, but you're you're stuck. <laughs> right. So get it. Yep. So you find your way through. Well, thank you so much. This opportunity has been wonderful and just being able to share my story and be heard is is a really nice feeling too. Awesome. Thanks for coming. If you'd like to connect with Kelsey, you can find her at Perinatal Social Worker on Instagram and heartledmentalhealth.com. For those of you who identify with this story and think that somebody else could benefit from it, please do share. It's vital that we're sharing our stories, these stories, so that other people know that they're not alone 
and so that we can continue to reduce the stigma and help more people. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.